Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 164, the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018, Day 4, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Welcome to the last special edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast Day 4 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018 in Sebring, Florida. This four-day event was awesome. This is truly where aviation begins in small aircraft, affordable aircraft. We had a blast bringing these interviews. Uh, I hope you enjoyed them. Fourth day of the event was really interesting. Some uh, really cool interviews that we had. And also some a real lot of fun meeting people and, and meeting you, by the way, the listener. It was great uh, actually being able to shake hands with folks that have been listening for years. And uh, it's nice to put a, a name with a face. So next time you see us at an event, of course, you see us in those bright orange shirts. Uh, come over and say hi, even if we're doing an interview. That was so cool to meet all of you. Well, in this episode we have three interviews before we get started of course uh, don't forget to visit our sponsor aviation careers podcast this wouldn't be a, a possible without our sponsor aviation careers podcast they have career coaching scholarships for all ages and inspire you to reach your aviation career goal through a free podcast visit aviationcareerspodcast.com well day four a little breezy again but it was cool I mean, it was awesome. They, we had so much fun. It was great visiting with all the different people at the show, with the folks from the Fly Musicians. By the way, big shout out. They kept the music coming all day long. We're right there next to the main building. And also all the other folks that put this event on. Big shout out to the folks at Sebring Airport for putting on such a wonderful event. The Youth Aviation Zone was terrific. That's where you saw a lot of those inspirational talks by some really, really Interesting, fascinating, and amazing people like Story Musgrave and the first Pakistani Air Force women's pilot, and also, of course, Ryan Wallace uh, talking about UAV jobs and and the L-39 pilot all spoke in the Youth Aviation Zone, reached out to a lot of the folks, a lot of the young people. Well, today we have three interviews from day four. The first one starts off with UAvionics Shane Woodson. Shane Woodson of UAvionics has the world's first zero install ADS-B out solution. He also discusses ADS-B solutions for drones of all sizes. Really, really small. Looks about the size of a, a quarter, the one ADS-B out solution that he has for the drone. And the first zero install ADS-B out solution also helps you because it's installed with nav lights and strobes on the side of the aircraft. Really neat, uh, a fascinating interview, fascinating person, really cool uh, microelectronics and the fact that they're moving forward with many other things in, in aircraft and light sport aircraft. Also looking towards a solution uh, for certified aircraft, which you'll, you'll hear in this interview. Our second interview was uh, with Dr. Ryan Wallace of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, and he discusses career opportunities and the UA UAS Pilot's Code of Conduct. 
He did a really great job in the seminar with the Youth Aviation Zone and also the seminar where he talked about the Pilot's Code of Conduct for UAS. Uh, Ryan Wiles, of course, he's at the Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, and you know uh, Ryan's been on the show a few times. He formerly was with Polk State College and uh, is moving on and moving forward with his career and has some really fascinating new things to talk about with UAS. If you're looking to get into UAS, uh, he's one of the people to talk to. Finally, our last interview, we round out the show by talking to no other than Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson is the light, affordable aircraft expert. He closes the show with some really insightful commentary. Don't it, you know, forget, if you're looking for a small, affordable aircraft, you really need to check out his website, bydanjohnson.com. You can find over 600 video reviews on his website. Absolutely fascinating reviews. He does a great job. He's a really interesting personality, too. And you know, you can tell he loves small aircraft and, and light sport. What's really cool is I love how he discusses light sport and basic med. Uh, I won't, I'll, leave, I'll let you listen to it. It's really interesting to, to hear about his commentary and also his opinion, excuse me, on, on light sport and basic med. Well, folks, this is Carl Valer with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting here at the 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. And our first interview for the last day at the expo is with Shane Woodson with UAvionics. And UAvionics is actually the world's first zero-install ADS-B out solution. Pretty exciting stuff. Well, welcome to the show. And also, Shane, tell us a little bit about this new world's first zero-install ADS-B out. So we were looking at the... The number one con, uh, conflict of what's happening with uh, ADS-B and the install cost is the, is the number one reason why pilots are not actually taking in equipping. And so the, the first thing that we wanted to do is look into it and see how can we take and minimize the, the install cost. And so by taking our sky beacon and repurposing the uh, navigation light on the end of the wingtip, we can use the aircraft wiring, which is already there. Basically, you just pull your existing nav light off put on the sky beacon you get an instant upgrade to LED nav light technology and inside that sky beacon is the the WAS GPS position source it's got the ADS-B transmitter so the antenna is built into it so it's basically one unit two wires three you know three screws and there's next to no install um, we're also doing a right companion side for the starboard or green and that will be ADS-B in to come back into the cockpit um, on an iPad Android running the pilot's favorite EFB. Interesting. So this is going to be for light sport or also possibly in the future for production aircraft? So right now we're actually selling them for experimental and light sport for the ADS-B out. Um, we are in the TSO certification process right now. We're expecting that um, first half of 2018 uh, to be TSO certified for both the ADS-B out and we'll have that companion ADS-B in as well. Price point wise, you're telling us it's a much cheaper solution. How much are we talking here? So price point right now, the, the experimental version is $14.99 for ADS-B out. And generally speaking, you're looking at about one hour. You know, We've got numerous quotes out there from 15 minutes to one hour of install time on that um, at a roughly $100 rate for the going install rates. Um, now experimental, they can install them themselves, but when you go into the certified, most of our you know panel installed can you know competitors you're looking at you know 10 to 15 hours at $100 an hour you're doubling essentially the you know the equipment cost for many of these here 
I mean, you're looking at, you know, we're trying to keep it underneath that $2,000 price point for certified, and we're going to be looking in that one-hour install. So it eliminates that, that you know, point of conflict um, that's keeping everybody from updating, you know, keeping everybody from, uh, from actually equipping. And so the FAA is really on board with this from, you know, is it, there's no secret that, you know, the equipage rate is not really good out there right now. And so this is kind of a shining light that it eliminates the, the long install times with the FAA repair shops. Um, it eliminates the high cost of ownership to get into the install. It works with the existing transponder so the customer doesn't have, the pilot doesn't have to replace their transponder. It, and then they actually get additional safety and visibility by having the, the, the LED nav lights. So we get a nav light, ADSB. It's, it's a terrific solution. And, and one of the things that's really cool, and I commend you for this, is that I've been waiting for somebody like yourself to come along, and I, I knew it would happen. Somebody's going to come out with a, a, a simple solution. It's quick, zero install, like you said. It's also not that expensive. I think the biggest thing when it first came out, ADSB, is everybody's talking about ten thousand dollars, et cetera. Boy, those prices sure have come down, and you're at the forefront of that. If you're th right now listening online and you want to look at the website where you have that information, you can find it at UAvionics. U, the letter U, avionics with the letter X at the end. dot com. Uavionics. dot com. Uh, let's go back a little bit. This isn't your first rodeo in ADSB. You actually got your start doing something else, and so tell us a little more about Uavionics for the other folks that are interested in aviation. So Uavionics really got its start um, as a VC-funded company um, in Palo Alto, California, uh, seeing a need as more and more drones and unmanned systems came into the, come, are coming into the economy. We need visibility. We need cooperative airspace so that you know the manned aircraft can see the unmanned, the unmanned can see the manned aircraft. And so Uavionics started as a an ADSB solution for you know, drones. Um, we you know, our, we're kind of the king of possible and making things smaller. And so what we do in, in micro-sizing these things, um, what we do is, is we're, you know, for the GA market, we're a disruptive company where we can take and use the technology and, and the volume um, of what the UA, you know, the UAS market is. Because when I mean, we're talking 600,000 to a million drones are coming into the U.S. market every single year. I mean, the GA market only scratches a small surface of those. So we actually have the, the you know, the, the production power and the benefit of componentry to be able to take and, and disrupt and bring those prices down, translate a lot of that technology and a lot of that volume over into the GA side and bring pilots an affordable solution. So, you know, we're still heavily entrenched and that's the, the company's core competency is in the UAS. We do We do products for, you know, the large manufacturers um, of drones, um, commercial drones, they're using us for you know airspace. We you know one of Google Loon um, and and Raven, and we actually even have transponders that go up to you know 100, 120,000 feet with temperature-controlled barometric pressure sensors. And so this, you know, the drone side, the technology is far more advanced than what's in the GA side, and, and it's just a there was a there was a, a demand from the customers saying, "Hey, there's a great opportunity to, to branch over and bring that over into the the general aviation world," and um, it's been explosive for us. 
I think you have a, a similar market here. People are into drones, they're also into airplanes, they love aviation and, and vice versa. P you know, people are really interested in anything that flies, anything aviation. It is an explosive market. What, the other cool thing is I think drones are getting people into light sport, which is, I'm really excited about that, of course. Uh, tell us a little bit more about the other products that you have, either at this show, because this is the last day of the show, they're probably gonna look at it on the internet, and, and other things we can find on your website. Sure, so we're, I mean, we're a, a complete ADSB solution where we actually build them for the drones, we build transponders for unmanned systems, uh, we build ADSB out solutions um, with ADSB in and transponders for general aviation. We also do um, ground station control, so we do uh, our ping station, which is a product for um, ground support, and it's essentially think of it as a ground, an ADSB ground station that's networkable, um, and you know, and, and the airport community could take and put one of those up and provide an IP address to all their members, and then they would have all full, you know, ADSB visibility for traffic around them. Um, so we do ground station there. Uh, we also have vehicle support. So airports, you know, a lot of people don't think about ground vehicles driving around, you know, international airports. The airplanes are equipped with ADS-B. They need to see where those vehicles are. So we have products like Vector, and, and those are ground support vehicles, uh, all-in-one units that they can just attach onto that vehicle, and the airplanes have visibility of them. Those can feed back in and give visibility of where the aircraft is and, and, av and avoid um, runway incursions, because that's obviously one of the number one safety aspects on, on busy, controlled airports. And this obviously must be a much uh, less expensive solution than, say, what the airlines and the big airports are using right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like our ping station, that unit right there, you're talking about $1,750 for an ADSB solution um, that's got you know, incredible range, it's weatherproof, it's small, um, sm you know, I mean, we're talking about uh, a box that's about four inches by, you know, five inches long, so it's extremely small, very powerful. Um, Again, it networks so you can actually build a network across the country or you can build a network if you need four or five of them, uh, you know, around an airport for terrain to, conf you know, to combat terrain issues. Um, very affordable there. You know, a lot of the times those things will be hundreds of thousands of dollars where we're at $1,750 for ours. The ground, you know, the ground vehicles, I mean, it's the same pricing. You're in the, you know, $1,000 to $1,500 range and that gives full ADSB visibility to that ground vehicle. How about support? If uh, I buy this product, where do I go for support? Actually, you come directly to us. All of our resellers, we're, we're available in the GA side. We're available from like Aircraft Spruce and Gulf Coast Avionics and, and uh, Sporties is coming on board with the uh, certified. And so we actually highly recommend um, all of those guys come bring anytime there's a customer support they need help uh, on install. We'll walk the customer through, you know, on the phone. Um, we've done actually videos where we can actually take and walk them through exactly how to. We want them to come to us. We're the experts in the product, and, and uh, we can get them a resolve um, as quick and easy and, and make sure that they're getting it installed, you know, this, you, the unit installed in the proper manner, and that way that, that you know, Everybody's putting ADS-B in their planes, and so many of them are getting put in. That's one of the big factors out there with the FAA right now. It's called NPE, non-performing equipment. And uh, Sky Beacon, coming back to that just a little bit, is that is essentially we have an app in there that you put in your end number, and it will go out to the database, grab your ICAO, 
information and um, actually programming the offsets from your wingtip and your longitude and latitudinal offset and then you update it and it eliminates the non-performing error issues and so um, you know Everybody putting ADS-B in is great, but if it's not performing up to the level that it needs to be performed, it's a safety issue, and that's where we feel Sky Beacon. It's a simplified solution where there's virtually no install, and the um, the, perf the programming of the information is next to none. It's very simple, and it's I mean I, I hesitate to use the word idiot-proof, but it's <laughs> but it's it's a no-brainer installation. Shane Woodson, uh, it's uavionics.com, uavionics.com. You can find out more on their website. This, this is a really exciting solution, especially for those of our listeners that are really putting off the ADS-B. I, I think they really need to look at this. As far as on certified aircraft, as far as the TSO is concerned, let's circle back to that. Uh, what are your estimates on, on the possibility of getting a TSO? So the TSO, we've been in that process for several months now, um, and and all indications are right now that it's looking extreme. I mean, we're I would I mean, percentage-wise, we're we're high percentage that we're going to be looking at that March um, timeframe, potentially April. Uh, we definitely want to have it um, certified and TSO'd for the Sun and Fun timeframe, um, and and have them available for purchase. Uh, actually, even gearing up to hopefully have installers available to install it right there when the customer purchase is that at the show and so everything is looking good uh, there's no conflicts on the on the the certification we lost a little bit of time over the holidays to be expected but um, March April time frame is still very reasonable well Shane Woodson hopefully we'll be interviewing you at Sun and Fun Radio and we'll be hearing about all these new TSOs that you have and also the fact that you've moved forward have many more installs because this is a great product it really is terrific hopefully we will see you at Sun and Fun you'll have a booth there I assume absolutely yeah actually we're doubling our size at Sun and Fun and Oshkosh this year so companies doing extremely well um, we actually were able to uh, to step in and help a lot of the Navworks customers out with our solution and be able to take and, and get those guys resolved and back um, compliant for 2020 and uh, right now everything's looking good just ex just explosive so how's Sebring been? I, if we, on another topic, this is, a, this is a great show. I love Sebring. It's uh, this is where aviation starts. The, the small airplanes. How's it been for you folks? It's been good. I mean, what can you say? I mean, if, sunny Florida, um, nice weather. It's there's been you know no rain. It's been a little bit windy here, but uh, you know. Um, Customers have been plentiful here. It's been good. Um, there's been a lot of a tremendous amount of excitement about the certified Sky Beacon when it comes. Um, you know, the, our products for experimental and light sport are always, you know, are going to do very well here, and we've done exceptionally well with them. Um, but again, you know, the, the experiment, this, the certified world of this product is uh, is you know, 80 percent of the market out there right now. So um, it's been a good show for us. Awesome. Well, Shane, hopefully we'll speak to you in the future. And uh, is there anything else you want to say about uh, UAVionics before we close? Just the website? Uh, yeah, you can get, check with us for information at uh, www.uavionics.com. That's U-A-V-I-O-N-I-X.com. And uh, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to uh, drop us a, uh, an email. If, you're, if you are looking for certified uh, information for the Sky Beacon, we actually have a uh, stay notified option on our Sky Beacon page. Be sure to go in there. You can tell us your email and tell us your aircraft. Um, whether you need strobes or or just a navigation light um, and make comments in there and we'll be happy to take and, and uh, you know apply that information and get back to you when we're starting to pre-order these 
Awesome. Shane Woodson with the world's first zero install ADSB out here at UAVionics at the booth. That's uh, we're right here at Sebring 2018. What a wonderful show. We're just finishing up with this incredible product, something that is usable, it's affordable, and, and it's actually a really great product from what everybody has told me on the field. So you're knocking it out of the park. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Carl Valeri here at 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Well, folks, this is Carl Valer with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting at the 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo here in Sebring, Florida. And I am here with somebody you've heard before on the podcast, and that's uh, Dr. Ryan Wallace, who is Assistant Professor of Aeronautical Science at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. Before we spoke, you were actually at another school. And uh, welcome back to the podcast. It's always great to have you on. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, Carl. You know, at, the, at this event, at Sebring, there's some really cool airplanes out there, but there's a lot of opportunities for people to actually learn more about aviation and about drones. Drones is a, is a big deal now, and people are interested in it, and people want to learn more. Well, what do they do? They go to the forums. The forums here are outstanding, and you are actually part of those forums today. So tell us a little bit about the, what you just did in your presentation and uh, also what you'll be doing this afternoon. Well, this morning we have the, the youth that come in to Sebring, and this is, uh, there's no better time to start learning about aviation than at a young age. And uh, we had the very good fortune of uh, having a number of individuals with us this morning, everything from uh, the NOAA presenters came out. We had a, a pilot that was uh, an aerobatic pilot. And so students are learning about aviation in a new way. Uh, I had the fortune of joining them and uh, talking about drones, which I think is the next, that's the future of aviation, Carl. So tell us a little bit about that as far as the future of aviation. Uh, some of us think drones, oh, yeah, that's where you take pictures, you know, with, with your GoPro camera. Uh, there's careers in this? <laughs> well, when you think about it, December 17, 1903, two bicycle makers built the Wright Flyer, and that is incredible. Uh, but we are at that same precipice again in aviation where we're about to have a rebirth in the drone industry where we, we don't know all the challenges yet. We don't know all the opportunities. And uh, the kids that are out there today are going to be the next multi-million dollar businesses. They're going to build them in their garage. Uh, they're going to have new opportunities that we can only imagine today, and that's what's exciting and trying to motivate them to, to think about aviation as a realistic career goal uh, is something I was very privileged to do this morning. Well, as far as the future, that's great. But how about today? I'm getting out of college. Uh, what opportunities are there for people in the drone industry right now? That's a, that's a great question. Um, there's a, there are kind of two sides to the industry right now. There's the large drones, and you probably see that with the, the military drones, for example. We also see it with the Border Patrol. Uh, and then there's the small industry. The small UAS industry is really starting to I hate to use the prerogative, but take off. Uh, so with, uh, with that happening, we're, we're seeing more in the uh, realm of agricultural application, learning what, uh, what crops need to be fertilized or watered. Uh, we're starting to see UAS uh, uh, utilized, not so much in the United States, but in other countries with regards to the drone delivery. We actually had the first pizza delivered this last year using a drone. Uh, I'm certainly waiting for that to happen in the United States. I think that would be pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, I can't wait to have pizza delivery. I'll just put it in the machine and say, hey, come, come get it. You know, put it in my computer. I even have an app for that. They probably have an app for that one. One of the things that concerns a lot of people with drones, I know when they first came out, God, there was drone sightings everywhere, of course, um, is safety. And safety, not just with the drones, but safety as far as the general public. And we're trying to address those issues. And I think you're at the forefront of that. 
Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right, Carl. Safety is a huge problem. So uh, just a couple months back, we actually had our first confirmed uh, accident uh, involving a drone, and that was the Army Black Hawk helicopter that was struck uh, on the rotor blade with a Phantom 4. Uh, and so that, that created a serious problem. The NTSB conducted a full investigation, and we, we haven't totally figured out how to how to solve these issues of integrating unmanned aircraft and manned aircraft in the same spaces yet and in part some of the issues stem from the fact that not everyone follows the rules so in the past a lot of uh drones you know we used to talk about you know radio controlled airplanes and there was a lot of different codes that we had within the academy of model aeronautics etc and we would make sure that we safely operated those radio controlled aircraft because it was as a hobbyist now we're getting in encroaching on airspace that is being shared by airplanes and airlines so what can we do moving forward to make sure we increase and continue with the same level of safety well, that's a good question, Carl. And I think, uh, just to preface this, the, the challenge ahead of us is the proliferation of drones. The idea that you can go to Walmart and you can buy one of these things for a couple of hundred dollars, take it home, take it out of the box, next thing you know you're flying it, uh, not even necessarily realizing that there are rules involved. And so one of the big initiatives that's coming out, and it's actually being announced today, is the development of the UAS Pilot's Code. The UAS Pilot's Code is uh, related to a series of eight other codes of conduct developed through the Aviators Code Initiative, formerly known as the Aviators Model Code of Conduct. And this is really designed to, to look at how to make aviators, and specifically drone pilots, better at what they do. We always concentrate so much effort at the bottom part of the, the proficiency spectrum, the minimum standards, uh, and we hear a lot of negative news about people doing it wrong. But we want to encourage folks not only to meet the minimum standards, but to learn how to uh, self-actuate to the best of their abilities, to become the best that they can, uh, and then we do that through the UAS Pilot's Code, a set of best practices and recommendations that any UAS pilot can use to make themselves better. It's interesting what you said about the idea of anybody being able to get into drones because the price point is so low. Uh, with that, I think this is great that you're coming out with this code of conduct. Uh, of course, we're going to have situations where there aren't going to be pe people following that. Uh, so in the future, and maybe you're thinking of that now, you know, what can we do in those instances? You know, how do we mitigate those issues where we have people that aren't operating properly? And for, the say, the police, et cetera, to you know, figure out if that is somebody that's not operating properly. Sure, that's a great question. Um, there's a few things uh, that I, I can say probably will affect that. One, uh, as you probably heard, drone registration is back in the books again. So that registration system is likely going to be used, at least in part, for enforcement. And uh, the FAA is, is likely to utilize your information when you register to, to keep the airspace system safe. The other thing is that uh, local communities are also starting to enact regulation. And the FAA, for the most part, has not opposed this at this point to ensure that uh, the local communities are safe and law enforcement is taking action uh, against drone pilots that are causing either a safety issue or a, a security or privacy issue. So we're starting to see more active or proactive means uh, taken to, to mitigate some of those problems, especially the privacy problem. But to get this word out to the to the people that are actually, say, in law enforcement, and they are actually people that are in government, etc., how do you do that? That's a, that's a huge task. You're, you're absolutely right. And, and part of it is realizing that 
drone pilots are members of a larger community. They're, they're part of the aviation community. In fact, uh, there was a great deal of contention about the title of this new U UAS pilots code because said, so, you know, some people will say, well, drone pilots, they're not real pilots. They're, but that's not true. They all use the same airspace, they interact, uh, and have the same potential to cause danger. And that's why we feel very strongly that not only are U.S. pilots real pilots, but we need to bring them into the fold and develop that safety culture that we have in aviation. I think that's really, you touched on a point right there, is that safety culture is developing that and moving it forward. And, of course, they are pilots. I mean, don't tell the military <laughs> drone pilots that they aren't pilots because what they're doing is they're advancing our technology through the actual usage. And the reason being is that we're getting experience, and that's terrific. With that said, the experience that we're seeing now from the drones, they've been around for a while now, is are we seeing what everybody was talking about before, about the sky's going to fall and there's going to be people running into drones or going to be walking out our door and getting poked in the eye with a drone. <laughs> well, it's a little too early to say. I mean, certainly I don't think it's quite as uh, naysaying as some people would say, uh, but we are seeing some serious problems. So you probably heard of the FAA database that actually tracks the visual sighting of drones. We're seeing that about 150 times a month we're getting reports of a, uh, we'll call it a drone encounter. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a near miss, but a pilot has visually recognized that they're in proximity to a drone. So. That's a pretty serious event, especially when you start looking at the statistics behind it, because a large number of these encounters are occurring near airports, on approach to airports, within airspace that unmanned aircraft really shouldn't be. And so that is, that is highlighting a red flag that there are still problems to be solved in this space. One of the ways that I think they've solved this problem from, you know, somebody who doesn't know a lot about drones is the fact that we can actually make these drones disengage or disabled somehow electronically. And that's absolutely true. Uh, Geofencing is probably one of the most uh, uh, biggest parts of that technology. Uh, but we're also finding that geofencing is hindering the ability of some legitimate drone operators who have permission from the FAA to be able to utilize their drones and conduct their business. So it's a very delicate balancing act because companies that produce drones need to be cognizant of the fact they can't hinder businesses that have the authority to operate while at the same time offering the protections necessary to ensure that drones don't interfere in places they're not supposed to be. Some of the comments that I've heard, especially on the website, et cetera, is, uh, well, drones shouldn't be able to operate in the different classes of airspace, B, C, you know, those bigger airports. Uh, I'd have to say I, I don't agree with that, but, uh, but I want to hear your response to that. Well, and at the end of the day, the impetus from the FAA is drones need to integrate into the into the airspace system, not be segregated from it. So we're not creating a separate but equal system. We are creating a system in which airplanes and drones operate together safely. And in order to do that, this ultimately relies on uh, pilots, both manned pilots as well as unmanned pilots, uh, to follow the rules and to, to, to actually integrate uh, effectively. So if somebody wants to find out more about the, before we move on, the, the Pilot's Code of Conduct and these different organizations, is there any way they could look at this online somehow? Absolutely. The, the UAS Pilot's Code recently released today, in fact, and you can find it at uh, www.secureav.com. Let's shift codes to, uh, uh, into the, uh, you know, the universities in those environments, the learning environments. What have we seen in the past few years as far as progress in the UAV and the UAS environment? 
We're starting to see uh, that certainly universities, many, many aviation universities now have UAS programs in one fashion or another. Uh, there, there are many different approaches to the way that UAS education is taken, and certainly the release of Part 107 has affected that quite a bit. Uh, Basically, there's two paths that, that I'm seeing right now. One is we'll call the large drone path, which typically requires uh, pilots to obtain some level of uh, uh, FAA manned aircraft certification or at least ground schooling equivalent to that. And that prepares someone to operate like a, a Predator or potentially a, a Global Hawk or a larger UAS system. Uh, the other track that is being taken is the preparation for the small UAS operator. And that would be the Part 107 operator and giving them the appropriate background not only to, to pass the 107 certificate, uh, but to, to really prepare themselves for the legal challenges, the regulatory challenges, the operational challenges, and I'll even uh, say the, the entrepreneurial challenges of starting your own business in the drone world. Because because drones are no longer going to be, at least in the small world, uh, a, a large crew. It's going to be a, a guy or a gal in a truck with a computer driving out to a farm field, and the customer is going to expect everything to be done by one person. Uh, that's what I see as the future. Well, that's an incredible future, and, and it really has made it efficient in the use of the individuals and those folks that are working in this industry, and it's an, an efficient as far as us being able to deploy the, the crops to deploy well, everything that's out there as far as monitoring and also as far as even spraying, aerial spraying. There's so many things we can do with less people, become more efficient, which enables us to get out there and be more efficient and move forward in general in our society. Absolutely. And drones really, uh, they're going to change not only the UAS industry through growth, but they're also going to have an interesting effect on the aviation industry. So as you increase in one side of the industry, as drones start to increase, we're going to start to see decreases in aviation in certain elements as well. I can tell you helicopters, uh, the, the utilization of helicopters for things like cinematics, uh, potentially for certain types of transportation missions, we might see that that will start to decline as a result of uh, more inexpensive opportunities and using drones. So besides YouTube, where people can find out so much information, where can people go towards if they want to think about getting into the drone business or into this career field? Wow, that, that is a good question. Certainly, um, any university that has a drone program is oftentimes going to have posted information. The Academy of Model Aeronautics has some great resources on their website. Uh, and, and again, the, the online search is available. Um, there are certainly many, many good resources out there, uh, but I would generally recommend the Academy of Model Aeronautics being one of the better ones. You know, we have to plug Embry-Riddle uh, Aeronautical University and uh, and what they're doing with the drones and the UAS programs. What what opportunities are at Embry-Riddle so you, so you do represent them? Sure, absolutely. Embry-Riddle has a UAS-centric program. They have an operator program as well as a pilot program. Uh, they tend to focus on the larger UAS, but we're also preparing students to operate small UAS as well. Is this something that they would have to go to a specific campus for, or could they do some of this online? So there are a, a couple of UAS programs through the worldwide campuses. So if they are near a worldwide campus or they want to take an online program, that's available to them. Uh, we also have the programs offered at the Daytona Beach and Prescott campuses. Well, awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear your talk about the U.S. Pilots Code of Conduct. And also, uh, I love the outreach you're doing. I think that's terrific. We really commend you for that. And, and really making people's dreams come true in the U.A.S. world and making them realize that, yeah, they can do this for, for a living. And how can they get in touch with you? Uh, they are feel free to email me at ryan.wallace, uh, that's R-Y-A-N dot Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-E, at E-R-A-U dot E-D-U. 
And you can just go to erau.edu and look up Ryan Wallace, and you'll find him in the directory there. It's been a, a pleasure talking. Is there anything else you want to mention about drones before we close? Uh, no, but I, other than say, drones are the future, and if you're not on board the train now, be careful not to miss it because this is the next step in aviation. Yeah, if you miss that train, you'll be standing still. I think that's, that's terrific. Thanks so much, Ryan Walls. Carl Valeri here reporting for the Stuck My Cast 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. Well, folks, it's Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast reporting here at the 2018 U.S. Sport Aviation Expo. And I am with the person that knows light sport like no other, and that's Dan Johnson. His website, bydanjohnson.com, you must visit. If you're listening right now, while we're speaking, go out there and, and plug it into your browser. Well, Dan, it's towards the end of the show. It's day four, and it has been, to me, a very exciting show. Uh, first of all, how, what's your impression? Well, I think it's been a real solid event. Uh, we've probably had a little more wind than some people would like, but with that one uh, possible criticism leveled, uh, the rest has been all positive. I've talked to a number of vendors. Uh, they've been selling product and they've been selling airplanes here. There's been quite a few airplanes sold at this show. Uh, my view, uh, having seen this for all of its 14 years, is that the uh, traffic looks good to me. There's been some good, pe good numbers of people here. And of course, these kinds of shows always benefit from the fact that you know what's going to be here, kind of aircraft and so forth. So if you show up, then you're interested. There's not a lot of tire kickers or people coming to see some other attraction. They're here to see what's here, and they came out in this year in good numbers and apparently bought airplanes. So that's all good. You know, to further that point, I spoke with one of the manufacturers, and he was saying that he's probably going to be sold out of not only his airplanes, but even his demo aircraft. I was like, wow. So that's a testament as to what's going on out there. And it is really cool that this is such a targeted audience. But even with that said, there's a ton of young people here, isn't there? There has been a good crowd. They've done it. The organizers here, uh, uh, Mike Willingham and his whole team, Mike is the airport manager for many, many years, and they've done a bang-up job of pulling people out here. We had a whole bunch of uh, ROTC students, uh, reserve officer, transit corps students, tra uh, uh, training core students. Uh, a lot of high school students have been out of here, but just a lot of people in general have come to the show to check out airplanes and uh, evidently make some purchases. And the youth aviation zone that they did with the large tent, I thought that was terrific. Throughout the show, you saw all these youth going in and out. I don't know if you got to get a chance to check that out. I didn't get as much chance to do that because I'm busy running around talking to people that make airplanes, but not only that on one end of the show, but on the other end of the show, the whole drone zone was very interesting. It's an intriguing new aspect of aviation that well, a lot of pilots aren't sure what they think of it yet. This is pilots that have been in the game for a while, but it's drawn a lot of new young people in, and you know what? They all fly by the same laws of physics. Yeah, and don't forget to, to listen to our interview with Dr. Ryan Wallace, who's an expert in drones. He's here from Ember-Riddle Aeronautical University. He was talking to the youth aviation out there. He's doing a seminar on drones. ByDanJohnson.com. Tell us a little bit about that for people that want to know about LightSport. I think it's, it is a great resource. Why is that? Well, thank you very much, uh, Carl. That's kind of you to say those words. LightSport. Light kits, ultralights. That's our entire 100% focus. Occasionally I'll touch on something else, but we stay very true to form in that class of aviation. And because of that, uh, we kind of command it. We, uh, we're all over that class. It's not just a U.S. phenomenon. It's a global thing that's happening. And so we have a readership and coverage from many other countries, obviously with a U.S. focus, though, since we remain the most active aviation country on the planet. So what type of format is it? Is it audio, video? 
Well, it's, uh, it's uh, not audio, but it is uh, written and uh, a typical website that way, but also a lot of video. <laughs> Increasingly now, I've been working with a video partner for 10 years. We've done probably, well, well north of 500 videos. I think we've interviewed just about everybody in the business, and we're back seeing what they've got new now and things like that. So both audio and uh, written news with lots and lots of pictures and lots of hyperlinks to all the people you want to get a hold of. Well, I love the videos, so make sure you check those out on bydanjohnson.com. So you'll be the right person to ask this question. Uh, over the years, you remember in the beginning people were like, oh, I'm not so sure about this light sport thing, and I don't think it's going to catch on because they're kind of expensive. Uh, my viewpoint was that, yeah, they're brand-new airplanes, and price point-wise, I think it's terrific, and the avionics in them are better than some of the IFR aircraft you see out there. Well, not only that, but they're better than a lot of airliners. I keep hearing this from airline guys who, when they're done driving their big uh, human mailing tubes around, uh, like to go fly something a little more fun to fly. And they'll tell you, any of them will tell you, hey, this thing's got better equipment than my whatever airplane they're flying in. So we've done a lot of good that way. But beyond that, the LSA phenomenon has had a lot of success. And here's one way that you can see that very clearly. The Part 23 world, that is the type certified aircraft, the Cessnas, the Pipers, the Diamonds, the Cirruses, and so forth, all meeting government standards in order to get on the market, that's all changing now. And they are going to use industry consensus standards. And the only reason why that's possible is because Light Sport proved it worked. A good example is Dynon. I mean, now they're starting to move towards STCs for certificated aircraft, I think like 182s, et cetera. That's right. And uh, the TrueTrack autopilot company that has been very big in the light kit and LSA space, they're also doing that. And all due credit to FAA for being willing to consider that kind of development and EAA for backing up the effort of these uh, vendors and uh, manufacturers with the efforts they're trying to do. So it's all a team effort like so many things are that turn out well and uh, those folks have been doing real good. We're very happy that they're having that success. Oh yeah, I'd like to commend them, the f people, the FAEAA for all that they've done. As far as, as looking forward and into the light sport world, I think we are we're poised to see more growth in that world. Even with basic med, I think some people were confused as to the impact of basic med. Maybe you could speak towards that. Yeah, I think I can. And first of all, we don't see it as a negative. First of all, it keeps people flying. The more people flying, the more opportunity there are for these manufacturers of brand new airplanes to have someone new to sell it to. So all good. We have no problem with that. I don't think it has changed things too much uh, because the light sport uh, opportunities, specifically sport pilot certificate, needing only a valid driver's license is still a simpler, easier system than even basic med is. So for those that just don't want to mess around with doing any of that stuff, well, there's your solution. If you've got a good driver's license and a valid pilot certificate at whatever level, you can exercise the privileges of sport pilot. So that's been good. You know, some of the concern is whether moving forward I want to go into an instrument rating on another airplane and now I'm a sport pilot. You know, what type of concerns are there for someone who is a sport pilot now as far as what other additional training they need to do? Well, the, one of the beauties of the sport pilot certificate, which you can get in as little as 20 hours in a fixed wing or even less in some other kinds of aircraft, and, and oftentimes people take a little more than the absolute minimum. That's true throughout aviation. But one of the big benefits of it is once you've got that sport pilot certificate in your hand, many add-on capabilities are just a logbook endorsement. No further testing. For example, to fly into Class B airspace is not permitted with a basic sport pilot certificate, but you can receive additional training from your instructor about how to enter those uh, airspaces, and then he signs your logbook, and you're good to go. What a great deal. 
Another thing, too, uh, some people get concerned on lights board and sport aircraft in general as far as ADS-B, ADS-B out. It seems to me at this show I've seen a lot of people forward thinking and coming out with products that are both easy and also inexpensive. Well, we're lucky in the LSA space. If you want ADS-B out, you can have it right now. Many already have it. Many of these vendors, if you walk around and ask them, they'll say, oh, no, we're, we already got it. It's already it's in that airplane you're looking at right there. Already done and inexpensively because we're able to use equipment that doesn't require that FAA approval in quite the same way. It still has approval, but it's not certified approval, and that's a big benefit. Uh, for example, angle of attack indicators. Here's a great story. So in, in the angle of attack uh, thing, the Gamma guy said, look, to put an angle of attack indicator, which we think would be a good safety addition, to do that in a certified aircraft is $8,000. And he says, the experimental guys can do it for 800, one-tenth the cost. And I sat there thinking it wasn't my opportunity to speak right then in this group that we were at. But I went, well, we can do it in light sport for $200. And in fact, most of these LSAs out here already have an angle of attack indicator in them. So it's just an example of when, when government will release the iron grip on prescriptive uh, certification methods and let industry work it out, they'll do it. And they'll do it cheaply and quickly. So the comments as to whether these are safe, light sport, I remember hearing that a lot. We've got BRS, we've got angle of attack indicators, we have avionics that are much better than many airplanes, and also autopilots that are better than my 182, say, that I fly IFR. Uh, I think we don't have to argue that point anymore. I think we know that it is safe. Well, uh, so FAA's word for that, I've asked them pointedly a few times, and the word FAA will officially state is that the safety record is acceptable. That's the word, acceptable. And by coming from a federal agency, that constitutes high praise. And the truth is, we went to them now, we're trying to ask for permissions to do some new things with these aircraft, and, uh, and we start right out saying, look, in 13 years, we've proven that we're a good member of the aviation community, and they all nod around the table and go, yes, we acknowledge this has been a successful new thing. So kudos to FAA for sticking their neck way out back 14, almost 14 years ago now. It has been a success by many measurements. Any last thoughts on the, uh, the air show here as uh, Sebring, the Expo? Uh, anything that stands out in your mind that was unique or something that you really enjoyed? Well, you know what? I'd say mainly their longevity now. This is the 14th running of Sebring. It is the granddaddy of what I call these focused venue shows where there's just a certain class of airplane being represented. There are now several others of them, and they are enjoying some success. But this one's the granddaddy and can't wait for Sebring 15. Well, the granddaddy of lights born and, of course, affordable aircraft is ByDanJohnson.com. Anything new coming up for uh, By Dan Johnson? Anything on your website we should look forward to in the future? Well, just more continued coverage. We'll be going to Sun and Fun here in just a couple of months. That's great. And immediately after that, running over to Europe for the show at Aero Friedrichshafen, which is a big event in our space of aircraft. And just more news, more video coming. Just stay tuned, please. Can't wait to see more of those videos. I'm speaking with Dan Johnson by DanJohnson.com. If it's light sport, affordable aircraft, it's out there. He's got many reviews and more to come. Thanks so much for speaking with us here at the Stuck Mike Avcast. Thank you so much for asking, Carl. We appreciate what Sun and Fun Radio does we got to be a team <laughs> that's great carl valeri reporting for sun and fun radio on the stuck mike afcast here 2018 u.s sport aviation expo anyway that was it for the show um don't forget to visit our facebook page at stuck mike avcast facebook.com slash stuck mike avcast and see 
Uh, more show news and photos on there. Uh, Victoria Newville has taken over as a social media manager, of course, the co-host of this show, and she's posting some really cool pictures on Instagram, uh, both of what we did at the event and other things we're doing throughout the year. So please let us know how you like that. Also, send us feedback on these daily shows. I was wondering if you like these, and also if you want to see more in the future. Uh, so reach out to us uh, at, uh, at stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. We're thinking of doing a daily show at some of the other uh, aviation events, but instead of doing it a few days later, maybe the day of the event, have it come out at the end, and possibly not promising anything, possibly having a, a live streaming show. And of course, all this wouldn't be possible without our sponsor, Aviation Careers Podcast. Aviation Careers Podcast has career coaching, scholarships for all ages, and inspires you to reach your aviation career goal through a free podcast. Visit them at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Well, I, I truly hope these interviews from the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo 2018 have inspired you to get out and fly or research a new rating, product, or some aviation service, book, etc. You know, we really enjoy bringing you these interviews and look forward to bringing you more regular episodes in 2018. You know, I really encourage you to do something today. Do something now to move you forward with your world of aviation and your love of aviation. Get a book. What, after listening to all these different interviews, click on some of those links. Check out those services and products. Uh, you know, I challenge you to do something new this year and, and get out there and try something new in aviation, no matter what it is. If it's, if it's new ground instructor rating, it's new instrument rating, it's a private pilot certificate, or, you know, who knows, the uh, light sport Certified flight instructor. That that would be cool also. But but try it out. Do something today that would that would move you forward in, in your aviation world and your love for aviation. Well, I really enjoyed bringing this to you, and I can't wait till the next show. Can't wait to uh, listen to our next interview shows and also having the rest of the crew on. Of course, all of us will be at, uh, at uh, the uh, Sun and Fun. We'll definitely be there, and we'll be doing a couple live shows, actually, at Sun and Fun. Just one live show, but maybe a live daily. We'll see. Uh, well, folks, safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. And I really, like I said, I, I enjoyed bringing this to you. Don't forget to make comments. StuckMikeAppCast at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.